Welcome to the Republican Professor. Today we have with us Chris Ty, Lieutenant Commander, retired U.S. Navy, and entrepreneur. We have Curtis joining us from Texas. I'm in frozen California. And Chris, you're in Washington, right? Yeah, I'm just going to do frozen California. Try living <laughs> up here. Oh, really? <laughs> He's Stop in the tundra, the tundra region. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you can see behind me, right? <laughs> it's freezing. Yeah. yeah. It looks cold. It looks cold. So um, I thought I would start off with a warm anecdote. And I didn't want to steal your anecdote. So. Okay. Uh, we did not coordinate this anecdote business, but um, um, well, okay. I'll just take I'll just take the one that I wanted to do. Um, All right, do it, Chris. I I, I first remember Chris as um, a seaman, probably a seaman recruit, which is the unfortunate name that the United States Navy chose to give to the lowest rank um, standing tall in his dungarees probably if you don't know what dungarees are it's like a jean version of <laughs> it looks like a prison uniform and in front of the uh, Navy barracks there between the Navy and Marine Corps barracks there uh, muster morning muster which is uh, their way of keeping tabs on who's there and who's in jail and who's sick <laughs> and dead. And um, at uh, the Presidio of Monterey, California, which was an army base that we were stationed at in the early 90s, back when um, we had a Republican governor of California, Pete Wilson. And... Uh, so that I set it up for you. So if you want to take it away there, I don't know, but um, yeah, but morning I, muster is of, where there's a, is it a chief? I can't remember. Honestly, I'm just blocked it out. So there was like, was there a chief out there? No. Or is it okay? It's just all kids no. out there. Like maybe a second. Yeah. Class so it was, it was an opportunity for petty officers to exercise their leadership. So each section had their own petty officer in charge. Um, they were all E6s, so first-class petty officers. So we had petty officer on. Remember him? Oh, yeah, I remember him. So he was, he was our guy. Um, then we had, uh, you he know, He was an E5 friend. for a while, though, first. He was in E5, and then um, I believe he, he got promoted. picked up first class, and then he went up to be our LPO, uh, leading petty officer. So, um, but yeah, okay. and then I What's I a first a class? Senior. What's a first class? Tell people what a first class is. Hey, first class is an E6 in the Navy. So you're, you get three levels of non-commissioned officers. You get E4, E5, and E6. Mm -hmm. E6 is the higher one, and that's a petty officer first class in the Navy. And that's the equivalent of what? Staff in sergeant in the Army or um, Marine Corps. All right. And an E5 would be sergeant. Correct. Plain old sergeant. Okay, cool. Yeah. But you were an E1 when I saw you. I was an E1 probably still because I, I was late filing my paperwork for E2 and I got chewed out <laughs> by senior chief wrestler. Mm. Yeah, I remember that guy. He chewed yeah. me out for not filling out paperwork for my own promotion. 
<laughs> He's looking out for you, man. Someone has. Well, to. it was a nice way to. It was weird. I was like, <laughs> "Wait, I'm, you're you're mad at me because I didn't get more money?" Well, actually, <laughs> I did get more money because it's like an entitlement to the. It's an automatic bump. I thought it was going to be automatic. I didn't know I have to fill out some request paperwork, but he. So I got back pay, and that's what they were upset about because they had to fill out the back work paperwork <laughs> for back back pay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I did with the senior chief wrestler was I said, look, senior chief, I don't know who the beep you think you are, yeah. but, um, that conversation did not happen. I, I will you. send you right to the beep King fleet. <laughs> and that's yeah. why Luke did one, one, uh, one, um, enlistment. And that's it. <laughs> It's funny. All right. So yeah, when I met Lucas, uh, it was my first day, first day of class and, uh, standing in, in, uh, formation at this new, uh, section I was a part of the, uh, Chinese section. And, uh, so I was, I was just standing there looking straight ahead. I didn't really pay just, attention. Other just, than my I think new... you just lost people with the Chinese comment. They, oh, prob okay. they probably think you're kidding. Oh, uh, well, I guess we can get into our background later. I'll, I'll finish the story. But yeah, I'm standing in the uh, formation and I'm fresh out of boot camp. So I'm like, you know, oh, yeah. Pedaster first class to me was was someone I would just yeah. like whenever they walked into the room, I would pay attention to what they had to say. Um, so but then I, I hear someone standing next to me just talking loudly and just kind of a goofy voice talking to someone named Frankie and I was like this is just kind of an odd conversation and I don't hear anyone really talking to this person he's just talking aloud to himself so I look over and I see Lucas has got a banana to his ear acting as if he's talking on a phone to a guy named Frankie and I'm like what the heck is this guy <laughs> I gotta stand next to him <laughs> So anyway, we got to know each other and, you know, he's, he's one of these goofy guys where, you know, we're, we're in class and between classes, you, you just like college, you, you get out of class and then you um, go to a different class, see Lucas walking up. So, you know, we're, we have to wear a prison, prison uniform. Yeah. So we're, we're in a, a mixture of enlisted and we do have officers in our class. So obviously when you pass an officer, you got to salute them. Um, and then we also have. A, a joint um, environment where you have army and Marine Corps and air force there. So a lot of the other services don't know the rank structure structure of the other services. So you don't know who's an officer, who's not. So sometimes, you know, you get this young uh, service member who's confused about the Navy rank and that they'll salute you, even though maybe <laughs> they might even, they might even outrank you, but they're saluting you. Right. So um, Lucas took that and just uh made it a joke that when, <laughs> whenever we're walking past each other it wasn't me i mean he didn't do it to me but i would see him do it to other people where he would just like get like really tight and you know stand straight up and then throw his arm up as if he's going to salute but then he just adjusts his glasses and then puts his arm down and then the people are like confused or like returning a salute to him and he just yeah that's just lucas for you 
Um, I got a lot of I got a lot of mileage out of that one. Yeah. So never never ending entertainment in the military. Yeah. Well, so this is for you. Yeah. Okay. So let's back up here. The Presidio uh-huh. of Monterey, California, is an army base, but it's a joint uh, operation there. It's a it's a language school. Mm-hmm. It's the home of Defense Language Institute, which is the Department of Defense, run by the it's run by the Army, but it's um, at least it was at that time. Um, and I think that it was an Army Colonel that was the CEO of the base. They call yep. the Commandant, and it's mostly Army. Uh, I'd say it seems like there was like four times the number of army there than there were Marines and Navy and the Navy had one barracks. The army had 5 million barracks there. I don't know how many, but it was yeah, a more than a lot more than one. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Marines had one barrack and um, Air Force had one. So we had FBI there, too. Yeah, a lot of DOD there. See, see civilians there, and there's some kind of agency there that they're getting language training. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and we, Chris and I were in the uh, Asian Studies Department in the Chinese Mandarin Department. So this muster, that the morning muster that I'm mentioning is was probably at what, 7.30? 7? Uh, about 7? Yes, 7, 7.30. I think 7.30, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think class was at eight or seven fifty or something. Yeah, something like that. A couple of minutes before eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us enough time to get down there. I can't remember. Did we have breakfast before muster or after muster? I forget. No, we had breakfast probably about six thirty, and then we had to do our uh, our section cleanup every morning in the barracks there. Um, and then yeah. after that, we we rolled down into muster. Okay, so it's a highly regimented. I mean, relative to college, it would be ridiculously regimented where breakfast is at, oh, ass 30 in the morning. And uh, there's a chow hall right next to the barracks. So you just walk over uh, probably what, 100 feet, 150 yeah, feet, something far. like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like a normal cafeteria kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, they had like coffee bacon eggs omelet stuff cereal what did you normally have for breakfast uh gosh man that was a long time ago i i had yogurt and eggs uh i remember you had french toast with peanut butter on it um which i thought was really odd that's why i remember yeah it It didn't work (laughs) for me as well as i thought because the peanut. now i know now i know now i know no no it's a good idea but the peanut butter was not a good kind of peanut butter it had sugar in it. That's why it didn't work for me. But the peanut butter I get now doesn't have any sugar in it. It's the oil <laughs> kind. But back then, you know, I mean, the DOD, they're not going to buy that kind of. They didn't. No, they I never even saw it. that peanut butter, you know, ever. Yeah. So anyway, it's not like the best food, but it was food. Technically, it was and, free. And the coffee sucked, but it was coffee. So, yeah. Um, so let, like, maybe we should just. Tell people about a typical day at DLI, Defense Language Institute. Uh, well, my day was, um, you know, wake up, get ready, shower, shave. How old are you at this point? Uh, I was, um, I was 18, 19 years old, uh, around that, that age. Okay. So I'd get up, shower, shave, 
um, get my uniform. I, I didn't get put my uniform on. We didn't have to wear the uniform to go eat. So I would go eat um, pretty early. I'd get there when they opened up, get back to my room, change into my uniform. And um, I was uh, towards the end, I was the leading seaman for the cleanup section. So I would make sure that everyone showed up and, and um, um, you know, did their job. And then we would inspect it afterwards, check it off and let everyone go. And then I was the leading seaman for our section for the Asian studies section there um, towards the end. So I would go down, do muster, make What's sure. What's a seaman? You're using that term seaman. What's that mean? Uh, it's it's not, just, sounds, uh, uh, sounds dirty. <laughs> it's a rank designation. You got seaman recruit, seaman apprentice, and then seaman, which is an E3. Could a woman be a seaman? Yes. Awkward on two counts. Well, I hope right. that they keep using the man here because, you know, it, it makes sense. Did, were, they starting, were they starting to get rid of the man in the designations like fireman? No, not when I was in. I don't think that's a thing right now. I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, there have been a lot of changes, just not in the rank names or structure. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so this would have been 90s. So when I'm talking on the banana, no one had cell phones, right? No. So that's important to remember because now if someone's talking on the banana, you just look at them like, but I was acting like I was really talking on the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was acting like I'm some kind of producer, Hollywood producer. And this is like, <laughs> you have to understand people are typically not joking around like that in the military in uniform about ready to, you know, be counted. And I would say in this particular school, the type of person that goes to this school or who, who is in this community typically does not have that type of sense of humor. <laughs> they're, they're up late playing dungeons and dragons and into computer stuff. They're not joking around like Lucas. Lucas wasn't, you weren't the uh, stereotypical uh, Chinese linguist in the in the Navy. Yeah, but so and neither was I. Neither yeah, was I, was, I. I was just about to say. Um, <laughs> were you describing your late either, nights man. there with the Dungeons and Dragons? No, uh, I was not. I was in my room studying. <laughs> that was back when Dungeons and and I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Trust me, but that was back when that was the board game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now it's not a board game anymore. People don't even know what a board game is. Yeah, <laughs> board board games, people. That's how old we are. Board yeah. games. And analog. And and <laughs> payphones. Pay I used to call yeah. my parents on payphone. So okay, so it's 7 30. You're you're going to roll call essentially. You've had breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody has clean everybody has chipped in to clean the bathrooms every day. That happens every day, right? every day well you know you have you have we had four sections so your section had one week per month so when you were leading a section i was leading a section too so you would have time off um so we had enough sailors in that barracks where uh we had four sections and uh we had a week on and then three weeks off something like that but the the bathrooms got cleaned every day oh yeah Yeah, even on weekends um 
there i don't recall that i don't think i don't so. recall that either. i think maybe I so. maybe a saturday's contingent team maybe started a little later in the day but uh they still got cleaned i think maybe on saturdays at least five days a week they were cleaned right. yeah mm-hmm. okay okay so then what happens after muster what do you do you got about 10 15 20 minutes to get to class uh, there's no buses, so you walk or you drive. If you're a young service member, you don't drive, you walk. And uh, yeah, you get down to class and you start class. It's just like college. You, you go to class, get a break after about 45, 50 minutes, 10 minute break, and then you know into the next class. So you do that for about eight hours. You get about a, an hour lunch, but once a week, you would get like an hour and a half, two hours for a study period. Um, you get that once a week, uh, you get out of class, probably about three, three 30. And then typically after class, you would have some kind of, um, military extra collateral duty type thing that you would have to do, whether, you know, either you got in trouble and you had to do something or you're working on, you know, if you're in a leadership position, you're working on evaluations or you're going through some training towards the end of, of our class, we had to go through training called petty officer indoc which teaches us how to be leaders in the Navy. So we had to go to that after our Chinese class, go to military class, then essentially, you know, depending on what your work ethic is for me, I was so afraid of failing that I would study for two or three hours a night. And I still thought I was going to fail. <laughs> so that was my life. And, and then at that, I just played some sports and stuff. So that's, that's a typical life there at DLI. I remember getting done with class and then having to PT with the SEALs. <laughs> Cause I was yeah, on the, no, I yeah, was on the run team. Too. Yeah. 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 And I didn't have a choice to be on the run team because <laughs> mm-hmm. I ran cross country in high school. And I, I think pretty much as soon as I got off the bus from the airport, there was uh, I forget his name. I really wish I could remember this guy's name. He ran it was probably before you got there. He, he was a first class. He ran the PT program. He had a, he had an office downstairs, an mm-hmm. office, the office was basically a crappy weight room with a desk in it. And oh, yeah. He, I don't even think he was there most of the time, but mm. he was a seal and no, pretty much everybody left him alone. He wasn't studying a language or anything. I think he was there because he got busted for something. Yeah. But anyway, I, I forget I, his name. I think I know who you're talking about. If you remember his name, let me know. Cause I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't recall his name. I just remember playing football with him. Uh huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I didn't even know what a seal was at the time. So I didn't know, I didn't know the, the designation on the uniform. I eventually figured it out. Like they all kind of yeah. looked the same. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they all had mustaches and a little bit longer hair and mm-hmm. pretty much just did what the hell they wanted to do. <laughs> and they and, didn't wear the same uniforms we wore. What's that? They didn't wear oh, the same right, 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 right. Yeah. right. They wore camo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good indication. Yeah. Back then, that was a good indication. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I was on the run team, and I think I was one of two non-seals on the run team. So I was 18 years old and skinny and scrawny and fast. Mm. And uh, anyway, so we were on the na- I was on the Navy run team. So okay. So uh, do you want to talk about class a little bit? What, what class was like? Uh, I would just equate it to a a regular college class. You're just learning Chinese, um, you know, listening, 
writing, speaking, you know, grammar structure, uh, feeling stupid because you're trying to speak a, this weird language and you just sound like an idiot <laughs> and you go through that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really, I, I can't really describe it any other way than that, but it was, it was very challenging. I would say of all of the, I've been to a lot of different schools. I would say that was probably the most challenging school on the academic side that I've ever been to. Yes. <laughs> I will say yes to all of that. Yeah. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on, on that DLI. Uh, it was, it was what it was. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot we, we could do a whole episode just on that. We probably should at yeah. some point that should be, that would be a good one. Just people, people want to know what that's like. Yeah. It's, they throw you in the deep end basically and say swim and you just try to figure it out. I mean, it's a little bit more structured than that, but they are talking in Chinese to you as much as possible, mm. more than you can handle. Yeah. And you just got to figure it out and you got to keep up. And yeah. They, I would, uh, the, the memories I have on that is my, so my dad was a retired senior chief. He did 20 something years in the Navy and, uh, he had a lot of influence in my decisions for what I chose and helped me out quite a bit too. Um, cause he was a recruiter at the time. So I remember um, your dad I would well. call, yeah, I, I would call my dad up while I was at DLI and just said, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I didn't do so well on this test. I don't understand these things. And so my dad said, you know, the Navy is not going to put you in a position where you're going to fail. And if you're struggling, the Navy is going to be there to help you out. Like their job is to help coach you through this. And if, if they see that you're struggling, and you're doing good, then they're going to find a way uh, to help you out. Like, let's, let's say, for example, I just could not pick it up, but they saw that I was trying hard. You know, they would find like, okay, maybe this is not it for you. Let's find another good career for you. Um, so that, that kind of gave me a little hope and a little uh, encouragement that, okay, I'm not going to get screwed over here. Cause there were so many kids there that didn't take it serious. They just joined the Navy. They wanted to learn a language. They went there, they didn't study, they didn't do well. So what, what happened? They, they go out onto a ship with no job rating. So their job on the ship was to chip paint, sweep or clean up or work in the galley or whatever it was. And that's what I was afraid of. But I remember my dad always encouraging me that the Navy is not going to do that to you as long as you're showing up and doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I remember having a concern like that at one point when I wasn't sure if I was going to pass. Mm -hmm. um, I heard what happened to other people like who failed out and they were just sent to some crappy ship ship. Yeah. So you did, you definitely had motivation to study Oh yeah, absolutely. And show up. Um, I used humor to cope. That's how I coped with <laughs> yeah, the stress. Did. I did. And I, I still do use humor <laughs> to cope. Um, I, I do, you know, like when you mentioned uh, when an officer passes you, <laughs> you have to salute them. Mm -hmm. That's what officers say when they pass enlisted people they go we have to we have to salute them of course it's after yeah but you still have to salute it, 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 the customs and courtesies I, I i just found to be interesting and 
and humorous to some extent, but I, I mean, I, I understand them and I'm a Patriot and all that stuff, but yeah, but I, 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 I was a little bit more relaxed about some of that stuff because I think I just was going to go crazy otherwise. And, yeah. Um, hey, I got another story. This is when we were in Hawaii. We were sitting in the office together. I remember this. It was so funny. Uh, sitting with the chief. What's a, what's a chief? <laughs> uh, chief is a, so it's a senior non-commissioned officer. So it's an E7. So we talked first class, it's an E6. Next step is an E7. And the Navy E6 to E7 is a huge jump. It's like you got to go through some kind of initiation or indoctrination. You, you learn a, a different level of leadership. You're no longer like middle management. You're a senior non-commissioned officer. So it's kind of a big deal. So Lucas and I, I think we we're both uh, E5s at the time. And uh, I was always one. I would always iron my uniform. I would always have creases in my, my uniform. I would always have my boots shined. I even shined my belt buckle, which nobody ever does, but I did it because I thought it was cool. So that's who I was. And uh, so in other words, you were a dork. <laughs> I cared about my appearance. Yeah. But you were squared uh, away. You were always super squared away. But it, to be honest, I enjoyed that stuff. I enjoyed making my uniform like looking sharp. I just, I just like that. I so know. I could tell. When uh, we're sitting with this chief, <laughs> chief, chief looks, looks at your boots. Then he looks at my boots and he goes, Pet Officer Mather, look at Pet Officer Ty's boots. <laughs> How come you can't get your boots like that? <laughs> oh, I remember. It was just so funny. I know, I know I the say? chief's name, but I don't know if I want to say it uh, on, the, on air. But uh, I don't remember what she said. I just remembered that because the chief, the chief I, I'll tell you the, his name later. He's, he's a cool dude. A very cool dude. I still I'm Facebook friends with him right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. And he wasn't doing it in a way to make you feel bad. He was just kind of like, you know, making an observation because this chief was known to be like, like everyone liked him. He was a really good guy and he never made anyone feel bad, but he did point things out. So I, I just remembered that. I don't know why. I just thought it was funny. That's awesome. Yeah, that that fits with my memories of Hawaii. But you you went you went um, you jumped from Monterey, California to Hawaii pretty quickly. Um, how, how much do you want to get into the weeds? We can if you want. I mean, I, I, we mentioned DLI. That was our kind of uh, warm anecdote. I'm sure that Curtis is over there trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about. Um, I have very I'm vivid memories. It's good What's watching that? you guys. I, I'm just taking it in. It's good watching you guys interact. It's great. <laughs> Sorry, man. I have such vivid memories of that. I mean, seriously, I feel it in my body. I, I had I go entirely back there. Monterey mm. is a kind of experience right out of high school that you just don't forget. At least I didn't. You know, um, it, it was a sobering in almost every respect. Um, Compared to a college campus, I mean, there was fairly dry, mm -hmm. um, especially for if you were underage. Um, there wasn't, mm -hmm. I don't remember any drinking underage. I'm sure it happened. I'm sure. Actually, happened. I mean, I, I, did, I, did. I did. I engaged in it a few times, but it wasn't yeah. anything crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah. Um, 
really intense language learning. You graduate from that year and a half or so later. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what did, what else did you do? Tell us about your military career. Uh, yeah, for schooling after DLI, we went out to Goodfellow Air Force Base in, um, how was the city named? San Angelo. Yeah, San Angelo, Texas. They were there for four months. I didn't like it out there. Um, it was just too small of a town, you know, um, and, uh, and I didn't like the school all that much. I just, I just did not like it. And at the time, I didn't like the leadership either, but, you know, it was just a temporary thing, three, four months. What were the names um, of the leaders you didn't like? <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying so okay, they're social there, just give me their socials last four <laughs> from there we go to uh air crew school pensacola california or florida pensacola florida and that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that so my challenge was when i went to air crew school each class you know if you if you score certain you know air crew school is all day long all you're doing is running push-ups pull-ups you know, doing all kinds of stuff like that calisthenics. And then in the afternoon, you're doing nothing but swimming. So it's just an eight hour workout for five weeks. And I loved it. It was the, probably the most fun I ever had in any of my schooling. So um, my challenge was, like I mentioned before, the people in in our community are typically not those who are um, athletic. Uh, They're more like you know, kind of like the, the brain type people who don't get into sports and, you know, that's who they are. I'm not talking bad about them at all. Besides um, the seals, you're not talking about this. The seals well, besides are- the seals. So the seals, the- they yeah. go to language school and they do their own <laughs> path. This I, is, I, yeah. This is I, I just wanted path. to, I wanted to clarify yeah. that because we mentioned them before and, and I didn't want people to think, what are you talking about? They don't, yeah. they don't work so out. Special forces go into language schools for different reasons than what we went through language school for. So they have a different mission than what we have. Um, but yeah, so my, my goal in air crew school was to get the PT award or physical training award. And which is something that in our community doesn't happen maybe every now and then. And then as we're going through the class, my, my next goal was I wanted to beat every single Marine in my class because, mm-hmm. you know, the Marines, they show up, they're fresh out of boot camp, and they think, Oh, I can beat these sailors. You know, they're tough, whatever. They're great guys. Believe me, I had a lot of fun with them, but I was competitive and I wanted to beat them. And I did. I beat every single person in my class. I got the PT award. And that was something that was like uh, fun for me. I mean, what's that going to do for my career? Absolutely nothing. It was just something like proving to myself that, hey, I had a goal and I was going to achieve it and I got it done. So uh, I was pretty happy with that. You got that at, at Pensacola? Pensacola, yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. That that certificate somewhere in a box in my garage. That's how important it is to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I didn't even know there was a can't. PT award. <laughs> yeah, there was, man. I, I hear something like that. I'm like, oh, I'm going after that. So that, that's like my challenge, right? Running on the beach. Just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll get yeah. this done. Every school <laughs> is fun. And then we go to uh, Sears School, Survive, Evade, Resist, and Escape, where you learn how to be a POW and learn how to evade and all that stuff. So it's essentially a, it's an Where eight day at? class, San Diego, California, eight day class, three days is in the classroom or two and a half are in the classroom, take a bus out to Warner Springs. They uh, keep you all together as a class for like a day or two. Um, they teach you land survival, land navigation, 
they partner you up with somebody. Usually they partner an officer and an enlisted together. Um, and then they give you certain points that you got to hit with land navigation and try to evade the enemy. Um, but towards the end, everyone gets captured. So we all get captured. And uh, then we go to our POW camp and we're prisoners for about two days. It's kind of hard to remember like how many days you're a prisoner because you don't sleep, you don't do anything. You just, you fill sandbags, you empty them, you move rocks to one place to another, and then you get interrogated and then uh, whatever else happens there. Yeah. So yeah, that was not a lot sure. I'm not sure how much we're, we're allowed to talk about that part, but mm -hmm. yeah. So it was a fun school. I lost some pretty good weight in just that five days out in the field. Um, I took some before and after photos too. I've got them somewhere. It was pretty neat because you you go there with oh, your yeah. uniform nice and sharp, and then you come back your your t shirts all ripped up, your uniforms mm -hmm. all jacked up, your face is thinner. You got camouflage paint all over your face and. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I didn't even recognize myself after that. I mean, I, when I looked at myself in the mirror, I didn't know I was looking in the mirror. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was looking at somebody else. I, I, I yeah. really, I did. I thought there was somebody else in the room. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that was me. It was yeah. weird. It was a super weird experience. That's why I was like, I was so happy when you took before and after, because I didn't do that. I should have taken yeah. before and after. Yeah, that, that's a school that I'm, I'm glad I went through, but I would never want to do it again. It was just, there's yeah, no, nothing fun about it. Yeah, it was nothing intense. It, it was yeah. very intense. It was the, it was nonstop stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we go to our duty station. Yeah, okay. Hawaii. So where yeah. would you go for that? I went to talk, Can you talk about it? <laughs> What's that? Can you talk about it? Do you want to? No, we can. Yeah. I mean, we went to Hawaii. Um, you yeah. and I were, were doing the same job, deploying every now and then. Um, you did a lot more than I did. I stayed home because my dad had some medical issues. And yeah. Um, God bless But you. yeah, I mean, I, uh, I did all my deployments later on in life. <laughs> but So uh, your dad lived in Hawaii. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it took yeah. me a while to wrap my mind around that. I was like, wait, you were going home? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I joined the Navy. So right after joined high school, in Hawaii. I Hawaii. Yeah, I joined the Navy in Hawaii. Did uh, you go to high school in Hawaii? No, I went to high school in Southern California. Where'd you graduate from high school? Upland High School over by Ontario. No. Yeah. What year? 93. I graduated 89. Upland? Upland High School. That's no where way. I grew up. I grew up in Upland. Wow. Yeah. Bringing people together. Look at that. <laughs> the Upland so High School. You guys were there the same right year. Here. Yeah. So yeah, Curtis, so you think, were a senior. Oh, so I was a senior when you were a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So that's where I played volleyball, man. I, I, oh, I, you played I forgot for the Randy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 What was okay. his last name? Itner. Itner. Yeah. 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 Okay. Tall, tall, skinny guy, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we did then, not uh, plan this. We did not plan this. That Mr., is so uh, funny. Mr. Do you remember Mr. Mooney? I think he coached the oh, girls volleyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to. Um, I took his class quite a bit. He he and I played a lot of volleyball together. Oh, Dave is a great guy. He's a yeah. really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Upland, California. That's neat. So you guys went to high school together. Wow. Yeah, for one year. <laughs> what are the chances? That counts. That counts. You were yeah, there it at is. the same time. It is. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, two days after graduation, we moved to Hawaii and uh, I was out there. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I don't know how to go to college. I don't know how to do anything. So I said, dad, why do you say that? Why do you say you didn't know how to go to college? Well, so no, at that time, no one in my family had gone to college. And so our, our, our assumption was that you had to go into debt and go to college and get accepted and do the SATs and all these things. I'm like, man, I just, it, I was overwhelmed. I, it was a new territory for me that I just did not understand, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, well, you know, maybe the military thing might work for me. Um, and I told my dad, I say, dad, I like languages. You know, I'd, I'd rather be a Marine, but my dad didn't, wouldn't sign the papers. If I joined the Marine, he said either the Navy or the Air Force. So I chose the Navy and that's how that started. And then ended up getting stationed out there. Um, so when you said you liked languages, tell us about that. What? Well, I took three years in high school of Spanish and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, my best friend in high school was Mexican and his family didn't speak any English. So um, it was fun for me to, I thought it was interesting to be able to speak something that was foreign to some people, but a group of people understood what I was saying. And I thought that was really neat. Um, and it also, what I noticed at that young age, it, it allowed me to be accepted into their, their like circle, their friends, their, their family. Right. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. And so when I joined the Navy, my hope was to really dive in more into Spanish uh, but we had to take that test that measures your ability to learn languages. And I scored a little too high on it. <laughs> and so they gave me, uh, yeah, they said, you can learn uh, Russian, Chinese, or Arabic. So I, I chose Chinese. So that's, that's, that's why I like languages. I still do. I still do. That's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Tell us about this test. What the test you were taking, what, what did, what that involve? Uh, it's, I don't. I, I talk about the ASVAB. Exactly. No, defense language aptitude battery. ASVAB is done for everyone. DLAB is done for people who want to take a foreign language. Yeah. So you you have Do to. You take remember anything, anything about that you, test? What's that? Do you remember anything about that test? No, not really. It's just a lot of listening to people making up words, and yeah. you have it's to. It's a made like, up okay, language. Yeah, it's a made up language. If if yeah. I say this and it means that. But I say this, what does it mean? And you have to like, oh, okay, well, maybe it means this. So uh, that's all I remember. I, I don't, I, in fact, I took the test. I'm like, I failed that thing. I'm, I'm probably going to be chipping paint on some ship. <laughs> and you scored <laughs> really high well. on it. I, I scored high enough to, to not, for them to say you can't do Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I remember taking that test. I had a very uh, different because I obviously didn't have a dad that was a recruiter. So, um, yeah, my dad, uh, well, it's not like that's obvious, I guess, but if you knew my family, you would know that's obvious. Um, yeah, but my, uh, experience was I, I went to the recruiter and everybody at my high school thought I was crazy for wanting to join the military. Um, but, uh, which is weird because we lived in a Republican area. We had a Republican mm. congressman. We had a Republican senator in, Cal- in Colorado at that time. I can't remember who the governor was at the time. But anyway, it's kind of like a mixed state. Republicans and Democrats went back and forth. But our area was Republican. Anyway, um, 
you know, the, the, there's some people that live in those areas that are kind of, they're basically, they live like Democrats basically. And mm. They don't, they, I just remember kind of a contempt for the military. That's how I remember it. The people were like, why don't you go to Boulder? Why don't you go to, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go into the military. I'm going to serve my country. And my, my grandpa was in the Navy. So I went to the Navy recruiter and I said, I want to be, I want to go to defense language student in Monterey, or I don't know if I remember the name of it. I th- I just knew it was in Monterey, California, because a guy came to our high school two years before that. And I'm pretty sure I remember it was like a Colonel that came to our high school mm-hmm. And everybody was throwing paper airplanes and it was, I remember there was like, it was in the theater and he was down there talking and he was like, if you want to serve your country, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was like a really bland talk. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, this guy's like a Colonel and like people are so disrespectful and, um, it was me and like three other people that went down to talk to him. And I think I was a sophomore. I'm almost certain I was a sophomore. I was taking Russian at the time. And I remember I was like, can I learn Russian? He was like, yeah, you can learn Russian. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, And he, and he said, what, how old are you? And I said, I'm a sophomore. And he said, okay, well, all right. Well, just, you remember, remember this, he was in the army. So anyway, I went to the Navy recruiter. I said, can you be in the Navy and do this? And he said, yes. And so anyway, I, I went to the Navy recruiter and they acted like they didn't know what I was talking about. I'm not sure if they really didn't, but they had binders and they mm-hmm. it, the page wasn't in there. That's what they said. And I kind of yeah. actually believe them. So I, then I went over to the army and they were like, yeah, yeah, you can do that if you want. Uh, went back over to the Navy and they were like, okay. So I got a call back and they said, okay, yes, you're, you're right. That, that does fit. You, you can do that. You have to take a, some tests. And I came in, take the, that defense language aptitude battery test and the made up language test. And I remember thinking, I have no idea how I did on that thing. That that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. And I had the same experience where they were like, okay, you scored too high. You, you got such a high score. You cannot do Spanish or French. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do Spanish anyway. So who cares? You know <laughs> what I mean? I don't want French. What am I, you know? So anyway, they, they gave me my choice too. Yeah. That was cool about the Navy because the other services, they did not give you a choice. Yeah. Like I heard talk to people that were, I guess air force probably did, but like the <clears throat> Marines, they were told you're studying this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful that we had the choice because uh, there are some languages that I'm not interested in. So uh, I think I would have struggled in that, especially if it was something I was not interested in. So you you want to um, list those out? Latin, <laughs> Hebrew, um, Greek. Well, at that time, you know, at that time, the Cold War was kind of non-existent. Right. So the Russian language would have been there was no Russian mission at that time. And I, w- I would have just been bored. Um, Arabic, I wasn't really all that interested in Arabic. Um, had I known that we we're going to be doing like a, you know, uh, war in the Middle East, you know, 10 years later, I probably would have chosen Arabic because it would have put me on a different path. And, 
different duty stations and different experiences to get me more involved. Um, but at that time, the up and coming, uh, you know, for business, you know, my mom always told me, she goes, Hey, she always said, write your own ticket, learn Chinese. You could be able to do business when you're done, mm-hmm. you know? So that was kind of like the guidance I got from my parents go Chinese because Chinese is, is all about business. So, um, yeah, that, that was, I would say that was probably my deciding factor why I chose Chinese. And if you want to say anything negative about the people's Republic of China, um, now's your chance, Yeah, but maybe we should hold off on that. Yeah, well, well we can hold off on that. I mean, well, the, the, this I, will be, I t- will be I, cyber attacked the next day. Yeah. And the channel will be shut down. I'll I'll say this. And and Luke, you probably feel the same way, but you know, you you learn the language, you learn the culture, you you gain an appreciation for the people and the culture, you know? And, and I really, when I, when I hear, when I'm walking around and I hear Chinese, it, it brings a, like, I don't know, it just kind of makes me happy. Well, one, especially if I can understand what they're saying, like, okay, I still got it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the other part is, is like, Hey, you know, I studied that. I, I, you know, I'm interested. I want to know, Hey, where are you from? You know, where, where, what city did you grow up in? When did you come here? Like, I'm really interested and I, and I enjoy um, the people and I enjoy the culture. You know, the government obviously is completely separate from the people than the, you know, so, you know, but yeah, my, my opinion about the people in the, in, in the culture is just very honorable and, and uh, respectful. There's an important distinction between between learning and uh, uh, understanding the people and it's yeah. cool. and, and the and the government that runs it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Cyber attack averted for now. <laughs> <laughs> for That's now. Right. Circle back. <laughs> like Chinese um, people. Yeah. If you come down with like a just flu-like symptoms in the next <laughs> 10 days, just, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> um, well, I, I can appreciate that too. I mean, the, the, the professors that I had there, I have mostly fond memories. Of yeah. those folks mm-hmm. there's one in particular that i don't have as fond of memories but uh we'll we'll leave that lie we'll we'll come back to that another episode at some point so you became you went through the enlisted ranks to mm-hmm. petty officer first class right yeah or did mm-hmm. you become a chief no I, I didn't make a chief chief is the equivalent of an e7 in the army which would be a sergeant first class uh figure out whatever it is in yeah. the navy or a gunnery sergeant in the marines it would be right. a, a mass uh what's it in the air force master sergeant i never really learned the air force just the just tech, the officer ranks tech sergeant is e6 uh forgetting what e7 is in the in the uh in the air I force but I'm not sure i used to know this I, I was such a dork i knew all the anyway so you became an officer somehow, right? Because yep. you retired as a lieutenant commander, mm-hmm. which is an 04, which mm-hmm. is the equivalent of a major in mm-hmm. the other services. So uh, tell us about your office time as an officer and what you learned. 
Um, I learned a different level of leadership. Okay. Um, so the, the challenging part, I mean, I, I, I went through a path where, uh, well, I graduated from college. So I, I went to night school while I was on active duty um, and went to college that way, tuition assistance through the military, uh, get out of my first enlistment. Then I used uh, part of my GI bill to finish off school. And is this in Hawaii still? Yeah, I was in Hawaii, Wayland Baptist University. I went to the University of Hawaii first semester. Yeah, then Wayland. I went back to Wayland Baptist. Yeah. Um, That's where I went. I liked, uh, I liked their, yeah, I think we, you and I had the same program. I liked their program because uh, we we're getting our degree in Chinese and their program is more focused on business. It was a bachelor's in science. UH, their program was, was a BA program where I had to learn literature and all that stuff, which I was like, I don't want to, I don't care about that crap. I just, I want to learn business. So that's why I went back to Wayland Baptist finished off there. So yeah, I got my degree, uh, applied for what, and I was in the reserves at the time, Navy reserves, um, applied for what's called the direct commission officer program. So, you know, you go to a board, not you personally, but your package goes up to a board. Um, you know, they have so many billets they can fill so many people they can promote. And uh, they select and they rank them one, two, whatever. Um, I can't remember how many they picked that year, but I was, um, you know, one of the top ones and I was selected to become an officer. So uh, I got a phone call. Uh, in fact, I was on active duty orders. This is right after we invaded Iraq. I was on active duty orders on the watch floor. Mm -hmm. I got a phone call from my commanding officer on the reserve side and answered it. And he told me I got promoted. Uh, which is amazing. So that was like, let's say, say that was a Monday. Uh, he says, Hey, you got promoted. You got selected. Congratulations. Give us a few days to get the paperwork over to uh, the admin office and then we'll make it official. So a couple of days pass. I get another phone call. Hey, your paperwork's in, come down and sign it and swear in as an officer and you'll be good to go. So I go down to the admin office down at Pearl Harbor. Um, in fact, I can't remember. I think I just went by myself. I just want to get this thing done. Right. I don't even think my mom was there or anybody. I just went there by myself and I uh, signed the paperwork, did my oath. And at that moment I was, I was an O one E ensign in the Navy. Um, and I had to go right what, to the what uniform. uniform what uniform were you in at that time? Uh, I don't Well, I know I was wearing my whites, not my dress whites, but my summer whites. So you were uh, in, well, yeah, it would have been your I was summer. In my summer whites. So your summer whites, you're, yeah. you're wearing your, uh, at that time, your E6. So you have three yeah. chevrons. You have mm -hmm. your wings because you got your wings. We both got yeah. our wings there. Mm -hmm. the Aircrew wings. That's why I wore this hat in honor of you. <laughs> it was either this, this one. I, 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 I was going to give you a choice. Oh, yeah. No, I like the aircrew one. Okay. I was with you when you bought that. Yeah. Are you, you're on the end of the impression. I bought it. <laughs> no, no. I was, yeah, I, I did. I was with you and you acquired it. <laughs> so I didn't know this story about you when you got sworn in. That's cool. Uh, so yeah. they swore you in, in the wrong uniform. I guess that, well, I was that in the right happens, uniform though. until I swore in. And then I yeah, was like right. out of uniform. Right. So uh, that's funny. Yeah, you're, you're, okay, you're out so of uniform, Ensign. I guess that'd be awkward. Like on the way to the uniform shop, would you have to like salute somebody? <laughs> because you're in yeah, the right. So, 
salute me. You see these chevrons? Salute me because I'm in the wrong uniform. You, you know, it's funny. So um, I was uh, when I was an E4, uh, I got uh, uh, the command uh, advancement program cap. You, you know what that is? You know, you just get automatically promoted um, for, you know, for good performance or whatever it might be. You have to be in a deployable billet to get that. And then you can get uh, this commanding officer can select one person in the command to get automatically promoted to the next rank. So um, you remember Captain Rappin? Yeah. He was uh, Jerome Rappin. He was the CEO at the time, and he came down to our, our offices. And this is a big command, so the CEO never comes down to our office. What, what's so, what, Yeah, so I mean, people are trying to understand. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you want to get into this, uh, but people are struggling to go, okay, he was in Monterey, now he's in Texas, now he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. beat up. So I'm, I'm going backwards here. Now, okay, then now he's in I'm Hawaii, and what the hell is happening? He's in like Pearl Harbor, so he's on a ship. Yeah, I don't understand that you watch for you mentioned, you know. Yeah, so I'm just kind of going back as far as the whole wrong uniform thing. Yeah, yeah. So we're in formation. Captain Rappin says, "All right, I'm down here because one person's not in the right uniform," and he had this serious look on his face. And I'm like, and he goes, "Yep, someone's out of uniform. Who is it?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "I think I'm okay." And then he goes, he goes, Petty Officer Ty, come on up here. And I was shaking. I was so scared. I was like, what is going on? The CEO is picking me out in front of everyone to call me out. So I get up there. He goes, he goes, Petty Officer Ty, you're not a third class anymore. You're Petty Officer second class Ty. You're out of uniform. Go get your new rank. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what to do because I was scared and happy at the same time. So, you know, you say the wrong uniform thing kind of brings back memories. Um, but going back forward now to when I got promoted as an officer, I swore in first thing I did went straight to the uniform shop. And I said, I, I talked to the lady at the uniform shop said, I got promoted. I'm an ensign. Can you show me what I need to buy? Cause I'm not quite sure. So I had to buy like hundreds of dollars worth of uniforms because it's a completely different uniform. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got that. And then I remember I go home. I'm like, how do I put the collar devices on? I have no idea. So I'm calling like people. I say, hey, do you know how to like, where do I put it on the collar? How far up does it go? And trying to figure this out. And like back then, you know, the internet was there, but it wasn't really a good resource, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Then the next day I put my new uniform on and, uh, and I feel weird wearing yeah. this new uniform because people are saluting me now. Right. And so oh, you uh, were being saluted before you just didn't know it. You didn't notice it because of you, you saluted them first. Right, right, right. They, right. Salute, yes. they still salute you. It's, it's different though, when you're on, on like at that time for the me, receiving it end. was yeah. the receiving end is different yeah. because you see yeah. them from a distance and you see them. Oh, officer, is my bag in my left right. hand? Okay. Yeah. Let's walk. And right. then, you know, it's just kind of like they stiffen up do a salute, give you a greeting. And it, on the receiving end, it's a little bit different. How old um, were you at that time? Uh, I was uh, 20, mm, 27. Okay. 27. All right. The reason I ask is because compared to a normal E1, 
or sorry, Oh, one, one that comes right out of college at 22, 23. If they were partying, maybe 24, you know, but, but you were more than prepared. I'm not even, this is not a question. I'm not, I'm not Mm. asking you a question. (laughs) I'm telling you, you were more than prepared to be an O one, right? You were. So it's interesting that you felt that way. Tell me about that. What's the gap? I mean, why did you, why were you so humble about being prepared to be an O one? I mean, you got these kids coming, they don't know anything. I mean, they took some engineering classes. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think any, any new officer is going to feel a bit of an awkwardness, right? Um, You know, because you're, you're an officer, so you're, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a divi- division officer, and you have all these senior people and that senior, these seasoned sailors who are reporting to you, you know, and looking for you for leadership, you know. So, I, I you know, any new officer is going to be a little bit on the, you know, uncomfortable side in a good way, right? Uh, for me, it was strange because the day before I was a petty officer first class. So, when I saw a master chief, my job was to greet him. Hey, Master Chief. Good morning, Master Chief. Whatever it might be. What's a Master so, Chief? Master Chief is the senior most uh, enlisted rank in the Navy. You E9. Know, E9. Not many people make it. Uh, it could take up to 25 or more years to make E9. It yeah. takes a long time. And, and, and you there's have no to be E10. Really good. That's the if top of the enlisted. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a Master Chief, you're, you're, you're legit. So I'm... Uh, I'm walking up to, uh, you know, through the parking lot over at our duty station mm-hmm. and I see the master chief walking up towards me and he's running because he's trying to catch up to his buddy. I'm like, Oh crap. Here's, here's a master chief. Like, and I'm, and I'm kind of like, you know, getting ready to greet him because that's what I'm used to over the last, you know, 10 years. Are you wearing so khakis at this time? What do you, I wearing? was wearing khakis. Yeah. Okay. We both were. Uh, so he he's running, but then he stops to a walk. And then he salutes me. He goes, good morning, sir. And I salute him. And I was like, man, that is so weird. Master Chief just saluted me and called me, sir. This is a new, new life, different life for me, right? Like, I'm not used to that. So you hadn't even so, gotten the paycheck yet. And you're all, yeah. No, I haven't gotten the paycheck yet. What I haven't the even paycheck gone into like? the office yet. Was hmm? it a big bump? Oh, yeah, what? man. Going from E6 to O1E, that's a big, big jump. Define mm-hmm. big. What's big? Uh, I'd have to look at the pay chart. It's been a while, but a couple hundred I mean, bucks a paycheck or a couple hundred no, bucks. No, it's it's probably I don't know. Could be double, maybe. I'm not sure. Double. I'd have to look. Yeah, I, I got to look. I can't remember. Oh, that seems that remember. seems a little high to me. Okay. Could be, um, I mean, mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, so now once that wore off and you had been used to that for a while. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were prepared to, for that leadership role management? Uh, it, it's, it, so if you say prepared, it means, okay, I'm ready. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I always feel, and even I feel like today and what I do now, it's like, I always feel like I'm not quite there yet. So that that's my drive to keep working on me to get better. Right. If I feel like, okay, I'm ready. I feel like I'm content and I'm no longer going to improve. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's hard for me to say, yeah, I was prepared. Right. But I was ready to, um, get into it Mm -hmm. and, and, and get better. Right. Okay. So, so I want to follow up. So in hindsight, 
Cause it's, I, I totally get what you're saying. The whole, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready. I, I I'm, I feeling over my head, but I'm ready to, to get better at it. So in hindsight, do you mm-hmm. think you, you were prepared? Compared to other ensigns in the Navy who are fresh out of college? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And did um, you feel that at that time? In a way. So what I liked when I wore khakis, when you wear khakis, you, you wear your ribbons on your chest, yeah. right? And there's certain ribbons that you earn throughout your career. If you're enlisted, there's certain ribbons you and medals that you, you earn. And one of it is the good conduct, right? If you have a good conduct medal or ribbon on your uniform, it means that you've done at least three years in the enlist, enlisted ranks. So I had that on my, my uniform. I also had my aircrew wings. Aircrew wings is only an enlisted device. You, you know, no officers get that particular device. Mm. So what I like to do is wear my khakis so that people can see, oh, he's an ensign, but he's also got experience. He was an aircrew member. He got his wings. He's been, he's got his good conduct, right? So um, relatable. Yeah. So people can look at me a little bit different. Like, okay, I don't have to treat you this way. I can treat you because you this way, because you understand what I'm saying. You've been there. You've been in my shoes. There's a little bit more of a respect too. That's cool. That comes with that. Um, so yeah, I, I can't remember what exactly the question was, but, um, well, when I say prepared, I, I think I, yeah. the way I was thinking of it is you're ready. You're not going to fail. That's what I mean by prepared. Yeah, you're, you're no. going to get there and you're not going to fa- fall right on your face. No. And then that that's the way the Navy is. And that, that goes back to what my dad was telling me is the Navy's not going to let you fail. If you're, if, I mean, no matter where you are in the military, you always have a boss somewhere. And if your boss is seeing you struggling, it's their job to coach you and to become a better leader, you know? And the, the other part of it is, you know, as an officer, you have a special relationship with your chief your chief is going to be your most senior enlisted person in your division or department or whatever, or command. You have that close relationship with that chief They're, The chief's job is to mold and train junior officers. And a lot of them take that seriously. And I'm glad they do because I had a lot of chiefs that helped me out. I've never, I was never a chief. So I got promoted right. to 01. All of a sudden I got chiefs reporting to me, but I still looked at it at a chief up here. Because their right. job is to train and mold me, right? Sure. I, the decision is up to me, but behind closed doors, I would be like, "Hey, chief, what do you think? Like, is this is this right? You know, the, tell me honestly what you think." And that's the type of relationship you have with your chief, and that's how officers get better. What do you that's think? How anybody gets better? Yeah, I, I like that setup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Luke. No, no. Curtis <laughs> has total uh, veto power. If he starts talking, I have to shut up. So, <laughs> Too kind. He, but he's being nice. He's like, I'm sorry I cut you off. But he knows he can cut me off anytime. <laughs> um, so do you think that the pay difference between E6 and O1 is justified? Um, or just in general, the officers versus enlisted, because everything you've said about enlisted so far has been pretty complimentary, I think, actually, especially the E7s. Right. Um, so, so I remember when I was enlisted, 
I'd always think, you know, whenever I get into that funk of negative thinking, you know, oh, the officers have it so easy, you know, they don't have to do these things. They don't have to clean. They don't have to swab the deck. You know, they don't swab. have to do all these things. Right. <laughs> but, you know, are you Popeye. You, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so you move over into I move over into the officer ranks and there is a different level of BS work that needs to be done that has to be done and it especially if 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 you're a junior officer all that crap falls on you you know and it's a different kind of crap it's useless powerpoint presentations it's briefing the ceo on stuff it's carrying the ceo's bag sometimes it's you know it's not glamour right so um there's a different level higher level of of bs that you got to deal with and as you get promoted and you become an executive officer and a commanding officer there's different levels of stuff you got to deal in that position too and you know i you know i would say as you get promoted higher ranks there are i would just i would say the the pay increase is justified based on the amount of work and the responsibilities that are laid upon you gotcha okay that pretty much uh, covers that pay. Um, yeah. What did you not like about being an officer? Uh, I like, uh, I, I gravitate towards the tactical type work, hands-on. Um, but as an officer, your job is to, to step back and allow the troops to do the work to do the job, you know? Um, yeah, you can step in, you know, sometimes it's nice to step in and, you know, go shoulder to shoulder with, with the sailor and, and do the same job for a brief moment, just so you can show them that you appreciate what they're doing and you respect them. And also you're showing them like, Hey, I know what you're doing. I've been there. I know how to do, do the job too. Right. But then it's, I need to step back and allow them to be the specialists because my job is to train them to man the positions, to find people and to equip them. My job is to give them the resources to do, to do their job. And so that's my role. So I had to um, recognize that I was no longer the tactical guy anymore. I was the guy supporting them at a high level, making yeah. sure they had the resources they could do their job. So that was a hard transition for me. That part and um, just... Uh, I, you know, I've, I always have enlisted blood in me. You know, I, I would make closer friends with enlisted people than I would officers. And uh, it was hard not to develop a friendship with the enlisted people who are working for me, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't have that because of the fraternization yes. policies and things like that. Right. So you can't show right. favoritism. You can't go out and hang out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was hard because you know, there was some people I'm like, man, if, if it wasn't for the rank thing, we'd be friends. Right. Yeah. Um, but you have to maintain that professionalism. So that was, that was hard at times. Gotcha. Um, now, uh, so we've covered from high school, basically to all through your enlisted career, which was, uh, most of your twenties. Your college experience was in the Navy. It wasn't like a party kind of like 
you were in the Navy, you were in the, you know, and, and now you're in Oh one. What, when looking back at your enlisted time, is there anything that you can see clearly now from that time that helps you what you're doing now, which is an entrepreneur? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. When I wanted to become an officer, one of my main motive, motivating factors was that I didn't like how some of the officers were treating us. They felt like they were up here and we were down here and we were there to serve them. I didn't like that because that's not how, how it's supposed to be. So my, one of my goals to become an officer was to treat people in the enlisted ranks with respect. And I wanted them to know that I've been in their shoes. I know how they feel. And I don't want, and I wanted them to feel that from me. So the way I use that today is that I've got a workforce of about 13 people now, not that large, but I try to make a point to where they all feel valued and that just because I'm the owner of the company, I'm not above them, that my job, and I tell them all this t- all the time, is to support them because they can do the job better than I can. My job is to support them so that they can do, the better, do a better job, right? So that's, that's kind of what I took from my experience as enlisted um, and with the perspective of someone who's crossed over into the officer world. Is there anything from the enlisted time that in terms of skills and Mm -hmm. mentality that you use today? Uh, The work ethic and training, Hmm. you know, um, I I relate to things that I do now as being on a long-term deployment. You know, when you're on deployment, all you have to do is work, sleep and work out if you have the opportunity to, you know, and if you just sit around and do nothing, you're bored and the deployment just lasts forever. But if you like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm here. I might as well work. Right. You got to use the time. Yeah. Yeah. I might as well work on my deployments. I would like do my job and I would find collateral duties because I wanted the time to pass. So mm-hmm. I used it as one time would pass quickly because I was busy Two, I would learn new skills, you know, and I would take that with me. So I've got that now where, um, you know, it's just a long deployment. Right. And I, and I take that work ethic here. Um, the other part is training, you know, military takes training very seriously. So, uh, we do a lot of training. I think there's areas in our company that we could do a little bit better. Um, but we do focus on training. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I I guess maybe that's, those are the two main things I would bring with me from my enlisted time as far as, um, you mentioned your company and you have 13 employees. What's your company? What do you do? I own, uh, a property management company here in Washington in Pierce County, mainly it's Pacific Rim property management been in business for about two years. And did and you also, start that company? Yeah, I started two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going? It's going good. I mean, startup businesses are hard, man. And yeah. it's never easy, man. Um, you have 13 employees. Did you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're a manager, a business owner, an entrepreneur. Are you actively managing the company or is somebody else doing yeah. that? 
Okay. No, I, I, I am at a higher level at the beginning. I was doing everything. Um, but now I'm, I've got a team now where I can do a podcast for an hour and a half and I don't have to worry about maintenance calls and things like that. And, um, what kind of work does your property management company do? Tell us for somebody who doesn't know what that word means. What, what would you say? Well, let's say you buy a property and you, you, um, use it as an investment, mm -hmm. you know, you, you read rich dad, poor dad, and you're like, oh, I want to get into real estate investing and you buy a property and you don't want to be a landlord because being a landlord is, is a bit of a headache. Uh, so you hire someone like my company and we manage all the tenants, all the maintenance requests, all that stuff. We do that on your behalf. We're essentially the landlord for you uh, for a fee. And then uh, we collect the rent for you and we give you your disbursements every month with a, an owner statement, financial statements and stuff. So kind of generally, that's what we do. There's a lot more to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you actually fix things and schedule stuff. Yeah. Because we do construction too. And, and that's, that's bringing in a lot more revenues, the construction wow. side. That. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot, man. I'm 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 working all the time, but it's fun. How many like hours it. a week do you work? Oh shoot, I don't know. I mean, I could do 12, 13 hour days. I mean, sometimes okay, like for work, right? I could be at the gym, but I'm still working because I'm looking at numbers, I'm making sure. decisions, I'm telling yeah, people yeah. Right, I'm still working, right? But I'm trying to do two bird kill two birds with one stone, get a workout and and work, right? So um, you know, I'll start working probably six 30 in the morning. Um, and throughout the day, I'm probably not done till like seven at night. Maybe I'll, I'll do some late emails or whatever, or, um, some coordination type stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's ongoing Saturdays. Uh, I'm busy, but, uh, I force myself to take Sundays off and just kind of chill out. Good. Yeah, it is good. You need to rest. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get, uh, how did you get that idea for that company and that field? That... Well, my, when I was in Afghanistan, um, I went out there, my job in Afghanistan, I was going to fly UAVs for, uh, special forces, but I was the first, uh, detachment to go out there to do this particular job. So when I got out there, um, they said, Hey, your, your whole operation center has not been built yet. You're the first one here. And uh, the guy that was there to get things rolling for the, the building and stuff was about to leave. He goes, all right, so Chris, it's your job to build the site. And I'm like, I don't know anything can about you, construction. Can you say where this was? Yeah, it's uh, Shindan, Afghanistan, which is about 45 minutes south of Herat, about 70 miles east of Iran. Um, so that's where I was. And can, so, you say the, yeah. can you say the, the year? Yeah, 2009 to 2010, I was out there. So yeah, I, uh, I I just learned construction, not like major stuff, but you know, building a foundation, bringing in structure, uh, bringing in electricity and generators and septic tanks and sewer and water and, and IT, all that stuff. We by the time I left, we had a fully functional operation center with a toilet and a shower and a septic system. I didn't know what septic was until I was at dinner one time and I said, Hey, I just acquired a bathroom for our center. And the guy's like, Oh, great. What are you going to do for septic? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> he goes, when you flush the toilet, where's it going to go? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think of that. So I, um, awesome. 
we're we're at a uh, so you were uh, holding it the whole time (laughs) no our center was like like, i haven't taken a dump in a couple weeks (laughs) (laughs) yes it was so i i um where our base was right next to like this old russian military boneyard when they left afghanistan so they left behind tanks and airplanes and these big water containers so i hired a couple afghani he says that water container can you bring it dig a big hole put it in there make sure it doesn't leak and then that that was our septic tank right there man that's yeah. quite an accomplishment to go from zero to that it was cool right yeah. so i was cool i left feeling well one the mission was great i loved working with green berets it was so much fun um and the experience i got just from that construction gave me this feeling of like hey i kind of like this putting things together you know, taking nothing, making something out of it and seeing activity go in and out. Hmm. I I enjoyed that. I had like, my fingerprints are all over that. And you're not talking about the shitter. You're talking about, you didn't enjoy (laughs) just watching people go in and out of the shitter. Yeah. Okay. Because there's more to it. People think you're weird. No, (laughs) more to it. Right. So, uh, yeah, even our, our living area, I was able to design that, um, which was cool because I gave myself the biggest room and, uh, (laughs) Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So I, I took that experience and um, I can't remember I'm going on my story, but what was your question to, <laughs> to make me go into this? I'm just taking what you tell well, how me. How I got and, into my. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. I, what You're what, ex- are you a lieutenant at this time? I'm a lieutenant. Yeah. Which is I an O3, ex- which is a captain in the army. Yeah. So I took that experience. I came back home Um and, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about transition stuff later, but yeah. I went to University of San Diego, got a master's degree in business leadership. Um, and then I went to uh, the East Coast and got a job where I oversaw nine buildings um, oh. in the facilities and the maintenance and the capital expenditures and things like that to really build on my experience. And then from that, I just took all of that together and um, created this company here in Washington. Oh, that's a pretty direct correlation there. So it's essentially yeah. like when I was talking about our deployments and collateral duties, Yeah, I, I took my collateral duties that I enjoyed and created a business out of it. Wow. There's so many different ways we could go. Um, let's, let's talk about. Um... You know, I just want to point out real quick while you're gathering your thought there, Luke, that, that reminds me a lot of uh you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad earlier, Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. I'm a, I'm yeah. a huge fan of him. Uh-huh. Um, I've been for years. And he talks about, uh, you know, not getting not getting a job uh, and uh, unless it's something you're going to take a job to learn. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you're you're it's cool how you, you're taking these things, these jobs that you got while you're in the military and you were, were, are taking away all the all the takeaway to learn. Um, and now, you, now you have that knowledge. You got paid to learn. You got paid to go to school yeah. that whole time. That's exactly. What, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, as I was going through that, though, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this collateral right. duty and I'm going to create a business one day. It wasn't that. It was like, I'm bored. I need something to do. That job looks like it sucks. No one else wants to do it. So I'll just do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's uh, interesting. That's really interesting. We don't always recognize it at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Say that again, because I think there's some younger people that are maybe watching this and they're thinking, whoa, I would never think to do that. You, you had an interesting thought about the collateral duties, just looking for a job that no one wants to do. Mm-hmm. 
And then yeah. you said, what did mm-hmm. you say? You said, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it that's sucks. Very, no that's one very counterintuitive. That's right. So talk, walk us that's through that. Point. Why is it? Why, just why said, would you do that? It sucks and no one wants to do it. Yeah, it sucks. No one wants to do it. I, you know, There's for some reason, I don't know why I just enjoy getting into things where it causes me some kind of pain. <laughs> so, uh, but you also, yeah. you obviously mm-hmm. have some kind of faith that that's going to help you. Somehow, well, I, I've got right? a, my, my perspective on it is this. If I pick something that is not popular, nobody wants to do it. It's causing pain for somebody like the leaders are like, oh, gosh, someone needs to do this. And they don't want to pick somebody because if they pick somebody, that somebody is not going to want to do it. And they're not going to do a good job. But if I show them like, hey, I'm willing to do that job. I know no one wants to do it, but I'll do it and I'll do a good job. That shows them like, hey, all right, so he wants to do it. So he'll probably do a good job. Then I put my all into it and then I do a good job. It gives me a new skill, gives me an appreciation for whatever it is I was doing, right? And it, and it makes me in a way an expert in that area where people like, you know what, let's just go to Chris and talk to him about this or whatever it might be. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, I mean, I did it initially for selfish reasons because I was bored, but there's, a, a, you know, the byproduct is I, I earned some respect from the leadership, earned some respect from peers. And I gain new skills out of it. Being bored, is that something you struggle with? Yeah. So and you take uh, something you struggle with, being bored, and you turn it into an asset for your mm. development as a person, as a business owner. Yeah. Did right. you know that you wanted to be a business owner when you were building that site in Afghanistan? No, no. At that time, I just wanted to you know, find Taliban and Al Qaeda. And, you know, <laughs> I wanted to hunt people. That's, that's all I wanted to do out there. Um, you know, one thing we didn't mention, I, I was in the reserves at the time, but on the civilian side, I was a police officer in San Diego. So my mindset at those times was, was justice and, you know, you know, friends being killed in Afghanistan. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I played a part of it to, to help out, you know, so I didn't think of business much at all. At, at so that you didn't have like this, this lingering thought or desire in the back of your mind, like over the years or at different times, like one day I want to own a business like that. Yeah, kind of- I did. I did. Um, the night before I went to uh, the police Academy in San Diego, I was like, oh, I just want to be a businessman. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to start my own business. At that time I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy a lawnmower and mow lawns. That's all I know how to do. I just don't want to report to anyone. I know I've got the work ethic. I can do this. Um, the things that scared me were, all right, how do I get customers? How do I do marketing? How do I do sales? Those are yeah. things I did not have experience in, right? Yes. So I didn't have faith in, in myself of being able to do that. So I continued on the path I was going. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just mentioned you had were a police officer too. So yeah. that's interesting. How long were you a pre- police officer? A uh, total of about 10 years. And which agencies did you work for? Started off with Honolulu Police Department for about a year and then San Diego finished off with them. Um, That's quite a bit of law enforcement experience. Mm -hmm. I've always thought of you as a uniform bureaucracy guy. Yeah. I mean, there are some people that look at a bureaucracy and they, they go, I know how to, I know how to advance. I know. I I understand that as paycheck every two weeks. Uh, and you're a uniform guy. So mm. 
uh, the police, you're like, okay, yeah, I got that. I got the two pens. I got, you know, my badge is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. My, my, uh, what kind of, uh, pistol did you carry? Glock. Glock 21. Okay. So you got a Glock you, and the Glock is perfectly situated, you know, and you've got your mm. magazines and, you know, I could just see you as just squared away. You're a squared away police officer. You're a squared away sailor officer. You have that stuff down. I mean, maybe internally you don't feel you're very humble internally. <laughs> like internally, you're like, I'm going to fail, but you're, you know, captain rapping that captain is a colonel. This is it's one below admiral. He comes down and finds you the third class petty officer, which is like captains generally don't know third class petty officers generally. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, <laughs> that's not really normally what happens, mm-hmm. you know? So you're, you're obviously so squared away that, that, you're just getting promoted left and right. You're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, let's make you an officer, you know, and you obviously have all these, you've done a ton of different jobs. You've worked with Mm. a ton of different people and your attitude has always been, well, actually your attitude was I'm bored. So, (laughs) but, but with kind of an eye to what am I learning from this? What am I gaining from this? I'm going to use this somehow, some way Mm. you have this kind of faith. So it's very interesting to me, the government bureaucrat mentality of, I'm going to get that paycheck. It's automatic pretty much to, I'm going to now start my own business. Mm. Nope. There's no net. I'm jumping out and I'm going to work 12 or 13 hours just so I can be my own boss. Is it the same motivation? Is it the same? Like, okay. I think you said this, like you're bored mm-hmm. or is it something deeper? You want to create something. Uh, well, there's a lot there, right? There's, there's how I feel there's purpose. There's why I do it. Right. So um, as it relates to what we've been talking about, yeah, I, I constantly have uh, I'm bored, like <laughs> sitting on the TV. If I, if I'm going to sit down and watch TV, I'm going to watch like some Mary, kind of Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, sorry. What, what did you <laughs> I'm going to watch some kind of construction show. I'm going to watch some kind of home inspection show because I want to learn something um, because I feel like if I learn it, then I could be a better asset to my clients. Right. Um, so, and I get antsy if, if I've got nothing going on. So, which is why I read so many books, right? Like, okay, I, I, I can't open up my computer because my wife will get mad at me. I'll just read a book. So I read books, you know, and all my books are either business related, faith-based, whatever, something to make me better. Right. Um, What's your faith? Are you a Muslim? (laughs) No, I'm i I'm a Christian. Christian. Okay. Yeah. I used to go to church with you. You know, this. (laughs) How important Um, would you say that is in, in terms of how you think about business? um, I think that's the foundation really, you know, because it's, it's just, business is just not going out and making money, right? Business is building a team mm-hmm. and impacting them, influencing them. And that and spills over to them influencing and impacting our customers and those who we touch, mm-hmm. right? So how I interact and how I show up for them is all rooted in my faith, you know? 
So we, we do team training once a month. We do a lot of, uh, um, training on uh, Craig Rochelle. I don't know if you know him, but he's, he's a pastor in, uh, in Tennessee, I think, but he, he has a leadership podcast. So we do a lot of his leadership podcast training that is faith-based, which isn't preaching. What, so, what's his name? What's the name of the podcast? Craig Groeschel. That's, the, that's the name of it? Yeah, Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Yeah. So we do a lot of training on that. So like, going back to your question, my faith has everything to do with what I do and who I am. My desire, my what I want to do, and this kind of goes back on how, why I got promoted into the officer ranks, because I wanted to enlisted people to be treated in a different way for me. And in regards to my faith, I want to show up and treat people in a way that causes them to ask why, why are you treating me this way? Why, why are you so good to us? Why, why? And that is them inviting me to tell them about my faith without me preaching to them. They asked me why I'll tell you why. That's great. That's awesome. And I've had a few opportunities to do that too, with my team. It's, it's amazing. Why are you so good to us? Yeah. Earlier you used the word respect Mm -hmm. and uh, that, that, that resonated because I think it was last week we talked with another guy in business and uh, he, he, he was talking about how his company, one of, one of their pillars is to respect others. Yeah. I think that respect goes, is so huge to mm-hmm. be able to open those doors. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Did you. you grow up a Christian? Uh, Catholic, Catholic church. Yeah. Grew up yeah. uh, sixth did you, grade. Are you still mm-hmm. Catholic or did, was there a change? No. Yeah. When I, I remember when I was in sixth grade, you know, I, I can't remember what it was, but I, I wanted to pray every night by myself. And I re- remember thinking to myself, if I'm saying all these Catholic prayers, how is God going to know what I want? Because I'm not using my words. Interesting. So I just started praying in my words and not reciting prayers that I learned in Catholic school. And as I grew up, um, when I went and when I was in high school, I met this guy, I was working at a pizza place and he was a former army guy, bodybuilder. And he was a Christian. I went to Calvary chapel and, uh, so I was talking to him and, you know, he brought me to church once. I'm like, wow, you got a band, you played drums and <laughs> guitars and all that crap. You know, it's, I thought it was cool, you know, and I wanted to go to that church. And so my mom at the time was only 16. My mom's like, no, you're not going to go to that church. They're, it's, a, it's a cult, you know? <laughs> so she didn't know. Right. Um, so uh, my parents made a deal with me. They said, Hey, when you turn 18, it's your choice, whether or not you want to go to church or not. So I turned 18, my dad, comes upstairs. Hey, we're going to go to church. Okay. I'm not going. Uh, what? Yeah. I'm not going to church. You told me when I'm 18, I don't have to go to church anymore. So I'm not going to go. And he didn't know how to take that. So he's like, Oh, okay. And he left. So, um, you know, I still had that thing in me. Like I knew there was a, um, I knew a God, I believed in Christ. I, I knew all that stuff. I just did not want to be a Catholic. Um, and it goes back to me being bored. I was bored during services. Like, uh, I was bored. Right. And so uh, it wasn't until Luke, you and I in Hawaii, this is after all of our schooling and stuff, we get stationed together. Lucas tells me, oh, yeah, I'll go to church on Friday nights. Oh, can I come with you? Yeah, sure. So every Friday night we go to church, Hope Chapel, Kaneohe, Ralph Moore. Go out there and met some great people. Shannon Holzer. 
I know you had him on the show. That's where we met Shannon. His uh, pre-PhD days when we were all Wayland Baptist University students, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, that, those were those were some fun times. That's cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, now that you're a business owner, what do you look back on? And do you look back on your whole career and think, I kind of wish I would have just gone into business right yeah. out of high school? Or do you look back on your, your military and police officer days and say that was absolutely, absolutely irreplaceable? Or was it some other answer? Hmm. I, I needed everything that I went through to do what I'm doing now. Really? To, yeah. Wow. You needed everything. Mm. to do what you're doing now yeah can yeah. you tell give an example um out. yeah I, well i needed to experience being treated poorly at a young rank mm -hmm. to give me the passion to treat people differently i needed to go through that mm -hmm. um i needed to go through the transition of being the tactic tactical expert to strategic and letting that go and delegating down um, I'm still struggling with that. My team tells me all the time, you need to delegate more. You need to delegate more. So I'm, I'm still struggling with that, but, um, yeah, I needed to go through that. I needed to learn how to lead. I needed to see good leadership. I needed to see bad leadership. I saw a lot of bad leadership because you, you don't necessarily remember exactly what happened, but you just remember how you felt. Yeah. And I know I don't want people feeling that way under my leadership. So I needed to go through all of that stuff, you know, even in the police department, being a cop was fun, but the department was horrible. I didn't like the leadership. I didn't like how they treated the cops. And so I needed to go through that to help me be a better leader, better business owner. Um, and th there's a lot more to it, but I, I needed all of that, all of it to, to do what I'm doing right now. What did you like the most about being a cop? What did you like the least? Uh, the most, the thing I liked the most was uh, working with other cops. And the brotherhood that we had, the tight relationships we had, um, nobody understands what a cop goes through unless you're a cop. You know, you, you leave in the morning or whenever, beginning your shift, you go experience your day. During your regular work day, you may have seen so many dead bodies, someone who'd been murdered, killed. You may have gotten into a fight and then you go home and you're supposed to have a regular life. It, it's not easy. You know, I went through a period where you know, I was working summertime on the beach with all the drunks. And there was a few times where I had to call Linda, my wife, and say, hey, uh, I'm okay, but I have to go to the hospital because I, I got in a fight today. You know, who, who has a job where you have to do that? You know? How many so, fights did you get in when you were a cop? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't count, but, I, you know, enough. <laughs> you know, enough. It was I mean, an uncommon, right? But it, yeah, it, it happens all the time. And it's not like I went out and like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go pick a fight. It's more like I see someone acting up right now. He's going to fight someone. I better stop that. And if he wants to fight, he better fight me instead of someone else. Right. Were um, you ever afraid of somebody grabbing your gun? No. Mm -mm. no. Did you ever lose a fight? Um, 
Yeah, I would say I didn't do so well in one fight, but I would, in my defense, he was a San Diego Charger linebacker. <laughs> he was, that, that's, he, a, that's a tall order. Ask his, we won't ask his name. Uh, I, I'll, I'll speak freely about that one. I don't care. Okay. Ask what Go you ahead. want. His name is Steve Foley, number 53 for the San Diego Chargers back in 2007. He, uh, he had a history of fighting cops. Um, he fought us one night. We were trying to let him go. Say, hey, you can't drive. You're drunk. But go with your friend, and we'll call it the day. But he wanted to challenge us to a fight. He wouldn't leave, so we decided to arrest him for drunk in public. Got into a big fight. I tried applying the carotid on his neck, and he threw me over his shoulder. And uh, it was a good five-minute fight. We finally called the city in to the rest of the cops and the whole city to come help us out. We got him under, uh, put him under arrest. He went to jail, bailed out. And while a couple of us had to go to the hospital to get checked out and uh, the DA decided not to do anything with that. Um, there was no, it didn't never went to court, didn't do anything at all. And uh, I would say about four months later, he had another incident with an off duty cop. He ended up getting shot in the hip and in the arm, I believe. And he no longer plays football. Wow. Didn't work out for him. It was uh, the shooting was deemed justified by the DA, but it went to civil court. And I believe Foley got like $5 million from the city of Coronado. Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole line to that, right? I mean, that goes into like, oh, how do you feel about, you know, NFL taking a knee during the national anthem? Oh, right. okay. Yeah. They're interesting. They feel, interesting yeah. backstory. Yeah. So I've got a perspective on that too. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, what is your perspective? Do you want to share it? Um, you know, injustice is everywhere. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Some get it more than others. I get it, depending where you live. Um, but cops get it too. Cops get it too. Like, where was my justice? You know, NFL football player beat me up. I was just doing my job. I didn't want to go. I was trying to find meth out in Claremont. You know, my buddy and I were just trying to find some, some meth and put some drug dealers away but we get a radio call to go to deal with this guy and we were trying to let him go, but he beat us up instead. So where's our justice? We didn't get any. Oh, that's your job. Okay. I get it. But there's gotta be justice just because yeah, there's no $5 million mean... for you. That's for sure. Yeah. No, right. there's nothing. There's no. nothing. I mean, I don't like the fact that he got shot and he can't play football anymore. I don't like that, but you know, he, he kept on doing it. There was nothing holding him accountable. Well, he's pretty and big. You see that over right? and over again with athletes. Yeah. No one's holding them accountable because they're up here. They make a lot of money. They had to do advertisements, all that stuff. They have their fancy right? lawyers. Yeah. Um, no one's holding them accountable because they want to win games. Yeah. Lack of accountability is the mm -hmm. problem with justice. And yeah. More often than not. Agreed. Yeah. That's Agreed. interesting backstory with the knee thing. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I think yeah. that's important for you to share. I'm glad you did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people will resonate with what you're saying. How do you feel like you were paid as a San Diego police officer? Uh, well, not well, because I went back on active duty because we were struggling financially. And my oldest son was born. So uh, we didn't want him to go to child care or anything. So we wanted Linda to stay home. Uh, so I we went back on active duty Navy for like four years mm -hmm. so that um, I can get more money. I can support my family. And serve your country. 
yeah. you deployed yeah, I mean, to there's, Iraq. There's a dual thing, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You had deployed to Iraq, right? Uh, in, Afghanistan. in support. Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah, Afghanistan. I know. I know Afghanistan. But yeah, did you want to talk? You didn't want to talk about your about what? other other deployment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, I'm trying to. You know, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But I, I you can ask me anything. I don't care. Okay. Um, yeah. I, uh, to, I went. You, you mentioned the uh, Afghanistan, but you're a veteran of both Afghanistan and Iraq. So did you want to? You did support the Iraq uh, mission. Did, did I supported it. I, I was not in country. I was supporting right. it on the USS Carl Vinson. Okay. So we were, um, this was after Afghanistan. So I was on the Carl Vinson in 2012, 11, 12, mm-hmm. um, went straight through seventh fleet, which is Asia hit one port there. And then we went straight into fifth fleet, which is uh, middle East. And our job out there was to support the ground fighters. Initially, it was in Af- Afghanistan, and then we changed our positions, go through the Strait of Hormuz, and we're supporting uh, the missions in Iraq. And so that was the Persian Gulf, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how long were you there? I was on that ship for about six, seven months. In Okay. In the Gulf? Uh, probably so- for about four and a half of those, five months. And what did you do there? Uh, just, well, I was an information warfare officer. So my job was just to support, um, you know, the, obviously the carrier's job is to support the jets, the, the fighter jets, right? So capture landing, whatever they, they go do their missions. My job is to make sure that, um, the carrier in our, um, strike group, all the ships in our strike group are, um, covered and supported and defended. In various ways, the and network. So, who did you work who did you brief? Like who who were you briefing directly? My job was to work with the um, information warfare commander, which was an 06 captain. Uh, he reported to the admiral, but um, my job was to go to the daily meetings where I would brief the ops operations officer, and which um, indirectly was briefing the admiral. So um, you have a lot of experience, people maybe can get a fuller uh, understanding of, of where you're coming from when you talk about mm. taking the knee in, yeah. in the NFL. That's what, that's where I was going with that was bringing gotcha. it back to the NFL and, and just stupid controversies that people manufacture over here that yeah, a bunch of crap. Um, so now it's not like you're making a killing and you're like, yeah, do whatever mm. the hell I want, you know, kind of thing. You're, um, you're, you're, how much was the money part a part of thinking I'm going to have my own business? I'm going to start my own business and be my own boss. It was, it had nothing to do with money, had everything to do with not, I don't want to say controlling, but creating my own path. You know, um, I have it in me. Not everyone has it. You know, some people want to be a W2 employee and, and that's fine. That's what they want. Um, and, and we need people like that, right? We work together. You got the people who are running, owning the business and you have the people supporting it, right? We all work together. No right. one's more important than the other. Uh, we all have our roles in life. But my, my role I know is I'm supposed to be a creator. And I feel, you know, we're all created in the image of God. God's a creator. So my job is to create. I create, you know, business opportunities and I create jobs. And I, my job is to create. 
So um, and that's what drove me to do what I'm doing. Um, and I had a good paying job. I had a position where I had influence and it was still eating within me that I needed to go do my own thing so much so that it, it drove me to physically, I got panic attacks for, for a full month where I just finally decided, Hey, I'm done. I gave my boss six months notice and we, and I left. Um, and my panic attacks went away. I can completely relate to that. Yeah. It's great to hear you say, uh, you see yourself as a creator. Yeah. That, that's, that's really what the entrepreneur is, mm-hmm. is all about. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I notice you still cut your hair the same way and you you still work out? Not very creative with the haircut, right? No, I'm, <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. No, so here's the thing, right? I don't like decision fatigue. I don't want to think. I don't want to yes. like, I'll wear, I eat the same thing every day. I wear the same jeans and t-shirt, right? No, I wear the same ones. underwear every day. <laughs> same thing. I don't go that far. So my haircut, I cut my own hair. I don't go to a barber because I don't want to sit and wait for someone so, to cut my hair. So do I. I do the same. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's just, it's a waste of my time. So yeah. I would rather just go to my, my bathroom 20 minutes and I'm done. You know, my hair's, uh, I'm, I've, I'm already married. I've got no one out there to, to impress. My hair looks okay. So I'm just she keeping approves, it. Right? Yeah, she approves, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I still keep the same haircut. Um, I still, uh, I still work out. You know, I think that's an important thing that we all need to do, right? Because it's a stress relief. It makes you feel good. Um, and pushing yourself, even when you don't want to, mm-hmm. translates to other parts of your life, right? So, you know what? I got to do these financial reports. I don't feel like doing it. Well, guess what? You're going to do it, right? For- force yourself to do it. And working out is you practicing doing that ritual of pushing yourself through something that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. what do you feel like uh you would like to say about being an entrepreneur that maybe is not well known to people average everyday people uh, that you would like to tell them it's not easy it's probably one of the hardest thing I think things i've done professionally and just because we own a business doesn't mean we have a lot of money so stop asking for donations that's a huge <laughs> huge that is a huge Amen. thing that you just said right there. It's amazing yeah. how many people don't know that. Yeah. What would you say? You've already shared about being a cop, but what a lot of people don't understand. But um, what would you say? Same thing about the military. Um, maybe that average people don't understand about what it's like to be in the military. Uh, gosh. If, if anything, you don't have to come up with something if you don't want to. Yeah. That's not something I really put too much thought in. I don't. I think maybe later on I might come up with something. That's fine. You know, profound, but not a big uh, deal. There, yeah, there are so many different career paths in the military anyway, so it's kind of yeah, hard to generalize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, being an entrepreneur, that's it, it. It's a to me, it's amazing that you have the background you did. You do first of all, you just have a great yeah. background. It's awesome. Um, so happy to have met you very early on in that and shared some significant time in that myself and enough where I can understand and follow you when you talk about the rest of it. Um, yeah. Which a lot of people right there, a lot of people can't because they never were in the military, but, right. but um, the fact that you, you have that background and then you translated it into a risky thing, like starting your own business. That's, that takes a lot of 
freaking cojones, you know, and, yeah. and you did it. And, you know, what, what would you say to people that want to start their own business, but are too afraid? If it's in you, you got to do it or else it's going to kill you. You know, we're, we all have dreams and desires within us. And God puts that there to guide us to the things he wants us to do in life. Amen. And if we don't do it, then it, he doesn't put dreams and desires in us to frustrate us. It's there because, hey, this is the life you want to live. And I'm, I'm going to let you live that life, right? But for me, I had to take a step of faith. I quit my job, sold my house, sold my cars, got on a plane to a state I never lived in before to start a business, you know? And, and my job, I like, okay, my family's going to suck it up. We're going to live in an apartment. I might have to drive Uber for a while until this thing picks up. I mean, that's, that's the level of sacrifice you need to have and determination if you're going to just start a business. Well said. Thanks. Well, we're so grateful to have had you on this. Um, thanks for joining us, Chris Ty. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.